Welcome to Monster Chats, presented by Monster VoIP, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales and organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions that come up during today's episode, please text them to 424-378-6966. Please welcome the founder of Monster VoIP, your host, Colin Mitchell. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with Brent Portera of GoodSuite. Brent and I are going to talk about disaster recovery, business continuity, managed voice systems, managed print, services, copiers, cybersecurity, and more. I'm Colin Mitchell, the host of Monster Chats and your founder of Monster VoIP. Brent is the director of managed services for GoodSuite, helping clients develop technology roadmaps to help protect their business while preparing and leveraging technology as a competitive advantage. Brent, welcome to the show. Hey, Colin. Really appreciate it. Glad you're having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for hopping on here. I think that you have a lot of really valuable insights uh, that people can hear about right now. So before we jump into our topics, uh, which we're going to be talking about today, uh, which is having a backup plan when things go wrong, uh, managed services, and the new normal for business and IT. Uh, before we jump into those those topics, why don't you tell us a little, uh, something a little bit more personal about yourself? Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So uh, born and raised in California, um, family man, got two children. One of them is uh, just in his college career, just getting that started, have an 11-year-old. Um, me and my wife definitely are avid runners. We like to run marathons. And most of all, just enthusiasts, love technology. It's something that I think has always been a part of my life and feel blessed to be in a position where I can actually leverage my interest and help other companies continue to do what they do best, which is serve their clients. Awesome. Awesome. So are you getting your runs in uh, with the current situation? You know, I can tell you this running with a mask on is definitely more challenging than what you would anticipate. But, uh, you know, me and my son, we're definitely still doing a lot of running. My wife is kind of retired from the running game for now. She doesn't feel comfortable out there, but uh, yeah. me and my son get out there with our mask and yeah, no, we're still running. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been running every morning uh, with my wife as well. And it's, it's been nice because, uh, We've been swimming for a long time, but uh, running is now what we can do, and I've uh, been enjoying it. So tell us, you know, tell us why it's so important for a business to have a backup plan for when things do go wrong, and especially at a time right now where like cyber criminals are really stepping up their game. There's a lot more attacks for a business that's now at home, not thinking about this. Why should they be thinking about it? Yeah, so I think you bring up a good point there, Colin, and I think. The traditional word backup is really taking a different form in today's environment, in today's uh, business world. So I think the main focus companies should have in today's business is the word continuity, which definitely uses backup as a component of the definition of continuity. But more importantly, it's about when something doesn't go as planned and there's a situation that causes a loss of systems to your technology and mm -hmm. access to that technology, how do you get it back up and running? Because what's overlooked in a lot of these situations is it's not the cost to repair your systems, it's the cost of not being able to do business. And I think that's something that's overlooked and is really the critical part of why companies end up ceasing to exist after a catastrophic event is because they lost so much revenue during the time of not being connected to their system. So that's really what we focus on is what's their recovery time objective and how do we make that as minimal as possible to not have a disruption at their organization? Right. And are you, what, what are you seeing or hearing about, you know, as far as like cyber, cyber criminals really, you know, 
more fishing attacks. Um, what else? What are you seeing in the landscape with, with you know during the pandemic, um, where people are really trying to take advantage of the fact that people are now working on their home network? Yeah, so I think it's presented some unique challenges for a lot of businesses, especially for their IT support, whether it be in-house or a third party. We're in a world now where a lot of companies are leveraging their employees in a remote capacity, but more importantly, they're actually having them use their own technology. So they're accomplishing still accessing their systems, whether it be through Office 365, a VPN Mm -hmm. into their environment, but they're using technology that hasn't been vetted by their technology experts, that has vulnerabilities because it was used as a personal PC and now it's being thrust into a work environment. And the Mm -hmm. unfortunate side of this is cyber criminals A, they never sleep, but B, this is an optimal opportunity for them to really, you know, expose some of the vulnerabilities at organizations. So we've seen an extreme uptick in phishing emails that are going out there and penetrations that are taking place, ransomware that are being successful, even the the Zoom platform itself. I mean, there's been a lot of things in the news lately that these cyber criminals understand what we're faced with. And right now, Zoom is really the number one means of communication and collaboration. And unfortunately, they've been able to expose some of the vulnerabilities that clients open up when utilizing Zoom. So it's been a, it's been a very concerning feature for a lot of our clients. So we've been working with them to help protect themselves from any type of Zoom exploits that are out there. But I mean, it's troubling. It's, it's hard to remotely manage and being thrust into this remote workspace in such a short amount of time, I think people weren't prepared for this. How could you be? So our goal is to make sure that we get them up to speed as fast as possible and make sure most importantly, they're aware of what dangers are out there right now. Yeah. Right. So I think that's an important point, right? You said making sure that the, the customers know um, what, what dangers are out there, what vulnerabilities um, exist. Can you tell us a little bit more about like some of the real common vulnerabilities or, or things that you see that people are kind of shocked that they didn't know was even an issue or something they should be concerned about? Yeah, so let's use Zoom for instance. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are getting Zoom invites right now and it's almost become commonplace, right? It's, it's become almost mm-hmm. uh, a subliminal or subconscious acceptance of the Zoom platforms that we're leveraging right now, which means the cyber criminals that are out there have realized this current vulnerability. And what they've attempted to do is utilizing phishing attacks on organizations masquerading Mm -hmm. as an actual Zoom client that has been sent out. And within that Zoom client, there's links that usually would get you into a Zoom session. However, they have been attached with malware and situations that have really penetrated account environments. Office 365 is another one, Colin. One -hmm. of the things that clients don't realize is Office 365, where your email typically is going to sit on the Outlook version inside of Office 365, none of that is being backed up. Um, You know, Microsoft is very clear when they state that to your organization that we're providing a cloud instance of these applications. However, Mm -hmm. backup is the responsibility of the end user, meaning without email, it's the lifeblood of most organizations. And what would you do if somebody intentionally either deleted or encrypted every email that you have on your server or on your instance of Outlook and you were not able to access it, mm-hmm. that's going to be a crippling event to a lot of clients and it's happening and it's happening daily. So those are the things that we're trying to, even if they're not working with us in an IT capacity as we do so many other things besides IT, we just want to make sure our clients understand that these vulnerabilities exist, make sure your end users are educated and over 90% of actual exploits or vulnerabilities or successful cyber attacks happen from an email. So we just want to make sure clients understand that 
there's a lot of risk right now with your users being remote and accessing email systems that really are owned by your company, but have opened up the door to a lot of vulnerabilities. Right. And what are some, what are some basic things that end users should be doing? Um, because now people are maybe working on their own device, right? Maybe they're working on their home computer or yeah. their laptop that doesn't have the business applications or pro- proper active directory or proper, uh, you know, antiviruses. Like what are some basic things that they should check to make sure that that, you know, device that they're working on is at least somewhat safe. So I'll give you some examples of what we've done for our clients. So, you know, we've had clients that 99% of their workforce or even hundred percent have been traditionally brick and mortar and they've gone into an office and mm-hmm. they've checked in and they've worked their eight hour days using the company's technology. And this company wasn't at the financial wherewithal to go ahead and purchase a hundred laptops for their employees to send mm-hmm. them home during this time of remote work. So, you know, it's all about centralization of the management of your technology. And I know that that's kind of a, a difficult task for some to achieve at this point, or they may feel that it's very difficult. However, in the scenario where we work with our client, the first thing that we do is make sure that there is one consistent antivirus package that's installed in that organization. And it's being centrally monitored from a partner like ourselves. Mm-hmm. With that, we understand that these users are using their personal computers. However, we will do a push client install to all of these computers that are touching their domain. We can even work with the users one-on-one, but now you have a centralized management console. It doesn't just stop there. One of the biggest things that we're focusing on right now is making sure that there's some type of email protection that's taking place. And what I mean by that, Colin, is we utilize a package that allows us to virtually open all email attachments, any links that are within your email domain that are being sent to your organization, and we test the validity of those. So if there's Mm -hmm. anything that's even remotely suspect, it doesn't just not let it get to your end user, because I know that's a lot of concern out there. We don't want a spam filter that's so difficult that it blocks all of these emails, and we may be missing potentially crucial emails for our organization, Mm -hmm. whether it be for us growing, obtaining new clients, working with our current clients. So with our package, it allows this email to come through, but in a cloud-based platform where it's through a web-based optimizer, it allows you to actually be able to open that attachment to make sure that there's nothing in there that's potentially going to harm your organization. And with that, it allows you to safely deliver it to your inbox into your own environment to prevent any type of issues from happening. We actually monitor this with our clients, making sure that if anything doesn't seem legitimate, we actually help instigate and investigate what's going on in that situation, Mm -hmm. making sure that the client should feel safe to go ahead and open that attachment. Oh, okay. And so tell me, does that all happen in, in, in real time? Like, is there a delay for the email or the attachment getting to the inbox? Um, Or is it show them, Hey, this is safe. This is suspect. This is not safe. Tell me a little bit more about how that works. Yeah, so we use something called Mail Protector, and it attaches to a few different aspects of the way that their domain is directed. So their email instance is redirected to a web-based platform, Mm -hmm. and it basically puts a a, a number of critical components in there to evaluate each email that comes into your system. And with that, they're tracking things as far as geotagging, where is the email being originated from, any Mm -hmm. type of malicious attachments that may be included. So it works through a scoring system in real time, it even allows that user, if they like, to respond through that email client without having to be in their own system to go back and forth with that potentially 
dangerous email, but more importantly, it doesn't impact the actual productivity of the users. So once an hour, there's an email alert that comes into your environment. It lets you know what's been sent to quarantine. With that, you can either release it from quarantine. You can test it in what's called the sandbox, which is essentially a full operating environment outside of your own company's systems to allow mm -hmm. you to execute any type of executable. And once you have validated that you feel that that's something that's safe, then we'll go ahead and we'll let it get through into your firewall. And if there's any questions, then we actually have a review that we go through a few key steps to help our clients make sure that they have peace of mind. In addition, Colin, you know, most of these attacks that take place and that are successful, they're not of malicious nature by the end user who accidentally selected a link. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of times it's by accident, a lack of training. So what we're providing right now to our end users is a free year of end user security awareness training where we are actually going to simulate phishing attacks on your business. And mm -hmm. with that, it starts to educate your users on what they need to look for when emails are coming through. More importantly, once your entire team of employees understands that there's simulated phishing attacks taking place that aren't going to actually harm the company but are being monitored, it tends to have them look a little bit more closely in you mm -hmm. know, making sure that anything that they're getting, that it 100% is valid and something that they should be looking and opening. Right. And, and I think, did you say, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you said 90% of these attacks typically are through email? Uh, unfortunately, they are, right? So that's yeah. the one area that we have to kind of open up to the outside. Right. I mean, unfortunately, emails have to get into your system. Right, right. And so, and we've all, and I've seen, you know, these attacks, right? So a lot of times it's like, hey, reset your Netflix password, right? So if you Netflix account's not on your business email, then you should not be receiving a Netflix email from on your business email, right? Um, or a lot of, you know, applications that people are very familiar with, right? Like Zoom, you mentioned, or like, you know, OneDrive. Hey, click this OneDrive file from somebody that you never oh, heard yeah. about. Great. You know, um, these are all examples that I've seen. So, um, and especially maybe with people now working on their home, you know, PC or laptop, but doing work, you know, they might, there might be a little confusion, like, hey, I'm seeing this, I'm used to seeing this on, on, on this device, and they might be more willing to, to click on it now. Yeah, I mean, look, cyber criminals understand the current uh, predicament that we're in and that we're leveraging our own personal technology. So, I mean, they're taking advantage of that. I think the more common ones on the work world are going to be LinkedIn. I mean, everyone is leveraging LinkedIn. This is a great time to social network with people mm -hmm. to try to get connections. They're leveraging the Microsoft Office 365. So there's a lot of administrative changes that are taking place in most companies with their Office 365 licenses, which prompts automation and emails coming out to end users to update some settings for themselves. The challenge is these hackers have now attached themselves. And I mean, they are very difficult to spot. It looks like a very legitimate instance of an Office 365 email being sent to a user. However, what it's going to be doing is asking for you to update access credentials, things that look very, very mm -hmm. normal in the sense of doing business. However, what's happening at that point is it's getting access into your email instance on your Outlook or your Exchange platform on Office 365. And literally within 30 seconds of that being um, initiated or that being commenced, I mean, it can put an encryption not only on the user's email that selected this, but now they're into your entire email system with a ransom demand to unencrypt all of your email. And I mean, this happens all in 30 seconds to a minute wow. and it's executed fully. That is horrible. Yeah, that I mean, it's, is... it's, unfortunately, 
people realize how much they lean on email once they don't have access to it. And especially in today's right. climate, I mean, we're having probably 70% more success rate on response on email than we are on outbound calls. So think about the transition and how we communicate right now with this remote nature. Most people are using their emails right now and that's, that's dangerous. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, managed IT services for people that maybe not, you know, maybe not, might not know that that sort of thing is available to them. What, and what that looks like at maybe the smallest level for maybe somebody who has somebody in house and just needs help in certain areas, or maybe for companies that, you know, don't have anybody to do any of these IT things or make sure anything is secure and, and what that looks like and, you know, just kind of break it down. Yeah, absolutely. So managed IT services has quite a few pillars out there, but let's focus on two different main kinds of IT services. We work first is co-managed IT. So larger organizations who continue to expand upon their IT footprint internally and they hire more and more support mechanisms, there's a, there's a pretty large cost with that. And with that cost, hopefully you're getting the expertise that you've signed up for with you know, having that salary be part of your uh, uh, monthly expenses. So what we work with in those situations is we work to help supplement the current IT staff, meaning, you know, help desk related calls and we'll call them almost remedial tasks shouldn't be something that you're tasking somebody who's high level in your organization to address. So a lot of times in co-managed IT, we'll help take over the help desk, allowing the user to get the best return on their investment with their IT professional that's internal and part of their payroll and let them work on core initiatives for the organization, which is moving forward in technology, leveraging technology as a competitive advantage for their business. And if they're inundated with help desk calls, and while they're very important to resolve, they're usually not the most technical expertise requirement to get those resolved. We don't wanna waste that type of person's time. And then alternatively, we have the full managed IT spectrum where we're really focusing on becoming an extension of the organization that we're working with, handling everything from help desk to cybersecurity to backup to disaster recovery, essentially everything IT related. And mm-hmm. you know, I think the big transition over the past five years, Colin, is there's been a significant development in enterprise level packages. And what I mean by that are some of the cybersecurity packages and disaster recovery packages that used to only be available at the enterprise space and mostly because of cost, you know, it was mm-hmm. prohibitive for smaller companies to be able to afford some of these technologies. So they kind of got by with some lower level, hoping that it would do the job that they needed to. Well, I think a lot of these manufacturers saw the error in their ways because believe it or not, 85% of all business is made up of the SMB space. And I'm not talking just the amount of businesses, I'm talking about the actual revenue generated in the United States. 85% comes from small businesses. So right. they had, pretty much ignored the 85 percentile to focus on the 15 percentile. And what we're seeing now is we're able to bring these enterprise level technologies to the SMB affordability and more importantly, allowing them to leverage this type of technology to further their company growth without breaking the bank or worrying about where they're going to find the resource or the cost to um, invest in this resource. So that's really what we're focusing on now is making sure we're educating users even of five employees that there are scalable solutions that are available that are no different than what we're doing at the enterprise space, just scaled down, not in functionality, but scaled down in cost and how Mm -hmm. much endpoints and what it's having to manage. But functionality, it's 100% mirrored to what the enterprise companies and relationships that we have are doing. So I think that's the big thing is we're able to do all of these solutions for usually less than half. And a lot of times around minimum wage, and we're able to do all of these for you with the level of expertise you wouldn't be able to afford or bring in-house. 
Wow. So what I hear you saying is basically your 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 small mom and pop, you know, five users, 10, 20, or, you know, even bigger, um, can get these type of enterprise level solutions. Um, and it's affordable for them. It is. I mean, we usually equate this down to, again, around, you know, for every 20 users you have, it's about a minimum wage employee. And, you know, how we try to position it to our end users is, when you bring on an internal support person, you know, and, and a lot of employees don't understand this, but a lot of business owners do, it's not just the cost of their salary, it's the cost of the insurances that you have to spend and all of their benefits and right. they get vacation. None of that takes place with us. So, I mean, we're definitely able to give them a much better return on their investment and understanding that we're operating as an extension of their business as well. Well, and frankly, you're not going to get somebody to do these type of services for you for minimum wage either. No, no. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> no, no. It, it, that'd be a good find. If you can definitely hold on to that person, but chances are you're not going to find them. <laughs> no. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's great to know that like it's affordable for small businesses that really need these services because, you know, from what we've talked about, like, you know, especially for the small businesses in that SMB space, um, an event like this could take them out of business. You know, if they lose access to all their emails or or down for days with no business continuity, I mean, that's enough to put that company out of business. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, there's some scary statistics out there, but I mean, these have been validated by the Gardner Group, IDC, um, and they, they show that, you know, uh, let's say a, a significant data loss in your organization mm -hmm. Within six months, 60% of SMBs close down forever. They're never able to recoup, recoup you know, to, to get back on their feet. And I mean, that's it's a very unfortunate stat. And, you know, what really challenges us and where we feel this to be very painful is a lot of these could have been prevented with minimal upfront costs. And I think that that's right. the challenge is, you know, 10 years ago, even as recent as five years ago, it was more of, what are you going to do as a business if this is to happen to you? And I think that that conversation has now shifted to not if, but when this happens, mm -hmm. are you prepared? And I think that's what companies need to look themselves in the mirror and, and, and really be able to truly and honestly answer that question. Are we prepared for the worst possible event? And how do we get back up on our feet again? Right, right. And unfortunately, at a time like now, when everybody's got lots of things to be paying attention to, um, it's when everybody's more vulnerable. So they really need to take a look at how secure things are and what their plans are, you know, uh, as far as protecting their data, right? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the important thing is the complexity of how this gets initiated is there, there's an assumption. And, and while it's legitimate in some cases that there are some packages out there that drive some pretty high-end complexity. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our solutions are catered around a turnkey solution, one vendor, one hand to shake versus multiple vendors to have to deal with. But most importantly is the initiation or the commencement of these solutions has become easier than ever. I mean, we've worked mm -hmm. with organizations that have significant technology stacks. We're talking 40 virtual servers and within you know, a couple of days, we're able to completely get them over to a fully protected system. Nothing's 100% fail-proof. Um, unfortunately, I wish I had that magic bullet and I wish I had a solution that I could tell you 100% nothing's going to go wrong. But what I can give you 100% assurance on, if something is to go wrong, 
your downtime is measured in seconds, maybe minutes versus hours, days, or weeks. And that's the critical thing. How long are you going to be down and not able to service your end users and your clients? Because we're talking loss of reputation, loss of clientele, loss of you know data. I mean, this could be crucial for a lot of organizations. So those are the things that we tend to focus on. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick second here just to tell you what we do at Monster VoIP. Uh, we help companies save 30 to 50% off their current business phone bill while providing more value and more features. If you'd like to learn more, you can text us at 424-378-6966. We're talking with Brent and we're talking about having a backup plan and we're talking about managed IT services and some of the vulnerabilities that businesses might be facing with everybody now working from home. Um, we're going to wrap it up with talking a little bit more about what the new normal is for business and IT. So Brent, would you like to uh, tell us, you know, what you're seeing and kind of explain too what you just mentioned is, you know, for businesses that are looking to get protected, they could be fully protected. Uh, nothing's hundred percent guaranteed, but within a couple of days, they could roll these solutions out and it's affordable. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, data is king. Um, you know, we've moved to this digital transformation in business, and it really doesn't matter what type of business you run. There is some component of digital data that's existing in your organization, and it's almost become the new currency in today's business world to where, I mean, data is very, very crucial for businesses, and it's a very, very integral part of their day-to-day. -day. So, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with felt that they have a good backup solution. And when mm -hmm. we talk data, we talk backup. So there's two differences. One is protecting the data, which is a great cybersecurity policy, a ransomware detection policy, a program that makes sure that we keep the bad guys from getting in. However, nothing is 100% fail-proof. So the second side of this is how do we get a company back up? And, you know, what, what I like to just make sure we educate the users, there is a difference between backup disaster recovery, and most importantly, continuity. So what GoodSuite focuses on is the continuity aspect. Now, backup and disaster recovery are components of continuity, but the most important thing is when these situations take place, we're mm -hmm. able to give you instant access to your systems while we're rebuilding to a pre-disaster state. So that doesn't mean you're down until we're done rebuilding. What that means is we're giving you access to the most recent copy of your entire organization, allowing you to continue to work while that rebuild is taking place. During the time of you working, you're actually still backing up all of that data. So your company literally never skips a beat. We're talking seconds, maybe minutes, where you're allowed to continue to work. And then once we get everything built back to a pre-disaster state, now we go ahead and we spin the most recent repository or backup instance that you have. We put it back mm -hmm. onto your on-premise or cloud-based system. And now everything moves forward as normal. Not only are we assured of this, we even have insurance policies that come with all of our solutions. So if we're engaged with you at that level, we're going to give you peace of mind financially that if there was a monetary loss during this time, we have an insurance policy. We're going to help you get back on your feet because nothing is 100% fail-proof. However, what we can guarantee is we will get you access back to your systems. We'll help prevent the data loss from happening in the first place. And most importantly, we'll be that financial lean if you need to get you back up and running. So I think, uh, you know, we want business owners to have peace of mind, especially in troubling times like this, that I know when I go to sleep today, when I get up tomorrow, my business is still intact. And if there was something that went wrong, I have a partner that helped me accomplish getting back to mm. what the new normal is today, unfortunately. 
Right. So I think for, you know, maybe any business owners that are kicking around the idea of backup or continuity, those are some really important things that they should ask, you know, is if we were to go down, how quickly can we get back up? And you're talking right. seconds or minutes. And if some data was lost, what, you know, what insurance policies or what guarantees do I have as a business owner uh, if data is lost? So I think those are two really important things to ask uh, any sort of provider that is, you know, uh, offering these type of services, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the most important questions we ask clients, especially business owners of SMBs, Colin, is when is the last time that you've actually restored from one of your backups? Meaning you've actually put your current backup solution to the test. You've restored mm -hmm. and you've made sure peace of mind wise that you're able to actually get your business back up and running. And the question we ask is if you have tested that solution and that system, how long did it take to test? And most importantly, how often is that being tested? And we find that most backup solutions, they actually fail 50% of the time. However, they're not put to the test until it's that, you know, inescapable moment where you actually have to lean on that copy. And, you know, God forbid that there was a problem with it. It could really hamstring your company. So we provide every night, every single night, we're actually mm -hmm. doing a full disaster recovery scenario and we're actually putting it to the test and we're actually providing that validity to our end user that we're working with each night, showing them an instance of their environment spun up in a virtualization. And I know some clients may not understand virtualization. What it is, is it's actually creating their entire environment on another system to allow them to continue to work. And we're providing that on a nightly basis. And we send screenshots every night and we show that that screenshot image verification that everything from SQL servers to access servers to uh, everything in your organization, not only was able to boot up, but it was actually able to run the services that it needs to run to keep your business running. Wow, that's incredible. Um, we're just about out of time. But before I let you go, Brent, thanks again for your investment today. Uh, we welcome you to the Monster Chats community and tell us a little bit more. Tell us something personal about yourself. What's on your playlist? Uh, what's your favorite app? Something uh, about your family, anything at all. Um, and then also let us know where people can find you, where they can look you up online, how they can get in touch to get more information. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a little bit about myself. I think, uh, you know, I, these last three weeks have while been challenging and obviously yeah. something new for everyone. I think, um, you know, it's definitely brought our family closer. We've definitely spent a lot of time together. Um, I'm finding out my kids are great cooks, believe it or not. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny when there's nothing to do, how eager they are to do something like this. We'll see if that lasts when the quarantine is over. But right now they're doing a lot of the cooking and that's yeah. by choice. We're not mandating it, but they just, they've enjoyed themselves doing it. Um, is that the new normal or, in the Proterra house? <laughs> yeah, that, that is right now the new normal. I think it's a community bonding and keeping a 21 year old in during this has definitely presented its own challenges. But, um, you know, you can find us at goodsuite.com and that's sweet, like suite of technology. So G O O D S U I T E.com. Mm -hmm. You can find me on LinkedIn at Brent Portera. Um, that's P O R T E R A P like Paul O R T like Tom E R A. We're available. And I think one of the most important things, Colin, is we get a lot of our relationships and a lot of our business through free evaluation. So I want to make sure everyone listening today knows that take advantage of our free evaluation. And it doesn't matter if it's imaging, where we're talking copiers and printers and IT technology and VoIP technology and all of these different technologies. 
we give you a high level consulting approach on an evaluation within your organization. And even if you decide not to do business with us, you're going to have a very detailed report on what are some of the deficiencies that you currently have in your organization today when it has uh, when, when dealing with technology. And we're also going to provide you suggestions on how to remedy some of those issues. And I think the power in that evaluation, um, you know, we feel we could definitely charge for it based on the amount of depthness that we go into, but we also want to prove validity and why a company would work with us. So definitely take advantage of that. Managed at goodsuite.com. That's managed at goodsuite.com. Any type of inquiries can go there. We're always available. We'll always answer. And we'd love to do free evaluations, regardless if you decide to do business with us or not. Awesome. That's incredible. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. Also, we're open to hearing your feedback. The show is about you, so we'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Colin. Great talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Monster Chats, presented by Monster VoIP, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales in organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions from today's show and want to reach us directly, please text your question to 424-378-6966.